Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Michelle Leslie. And I'm Amy Spreeman, and welcome to part two of The Pew, The State of Women's Ministry. Uh, We were just talking, Michelle, last October, LifeWay Research released a study called The State of Ministry to Women, and uh, we're talking about their findings. You're going to find a link to the study in our show notes if you'd like to follow along and also a link to part one of our discussion. You're going to want to go and uh, listen to that one as well. Yes, absolutely. And you might recall the introduction to the study that Amy read last time in part one of this episode. It says this, LifeWay Research conducted a study involving over 1,000 evangelical and black Protestant female churchgoers and 842 women's ministry leaders in the U.S. aiming to assess the state of women's ministry with a focus on acknowledging progress and identifying areas for further development. Yeah, that statement is a mouthful. And back in part one, we took a look at the results of the survey that was administered to the women's ministry leaders. Well, tonight in part two, we're going to discuss the results of the survey of the women churchgoers. In other words, uh, women who participate in but do not lead women's ministry or activities at their churches. And speaking of those women churchgoers, it it probably immediately caught everyone's attention that Michelle said they surveyed over 1,000 evangelical and black Protestant female churchgoers. Well, what does that tell us? Why not just say female churchgoers or female evangelicals? Why bring race into it? Um, Yeah, those are really great questions, Amy. And the answer is because as the survey itself states, they were attempting to balance a number of factors, including race, in order to make the study as broadly representative as possible, which is great. But my guess is that they weren't finding enough black women in what they call evangelical churches. So they went to predominantly black churches to add more black women into the study. And, you know, that's fine. That wouldn't be an issue, except think about it. What do we know statistically about black Protestant churches, listeners? Well, generally speaking, and I mean this in the in the most formal expression of the word of the phrase, generally speaking, they tend to be a lot more liberal theologically, politically, and socially than your run-of-the-mill evangelical church. Yes, and though uh, we're thankful for the black churches or any church that's doctrinally sound, in the so-called black church, as we call it, uh, you'll generally find significantly more women pastors, um, put the bunny ears around pastors because there's no such uh, job position, and church leaders, uh, more people who are pro-abortion, more who vote liberal, Democrat, and so on. And I will promise you that it is not racist to, to say that. It's just simply a statistical fact. But those factors are going to affect the outcome of the survey. It's just something to keep in mind as we think about the respondents' answers to the questions tonight. Right. So let's get started with our first question that the women's ministry participants were asked. Does your church have an organized women's ministry of some kind? 63% said yes. 
21% said nothing formal, but there are activities specifically for women. So it looks like around 84% of churches have some sort of women's ministry, whether it's formal, like we said last time, sort of set apart with designated leaders, uh, regularly planned schedule and activities, their own page on the website, things like that. Or, you know, whether it's more spontaneous and, and activities and things are just planned from time to time. Amy, what do you think about that? Is it a good idea for a church to have a formal women's ministry or at least occasional activities that are specifically for women? Uh, yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think the more you can get women together to uh, learn about scripture, learn about Jesus Christ through activities such as Bible study or uh, getting together for fellowship or service or things like that. Uh, absolutely. I think that's a great idea. Uh, and women, um, we, we learn differently. We relate differently. And I think it's just right. a great idea to get together and, and have that strength to talk about the Titus II model in the church where the older women are coming alongside the younger women, they're teaching what is good, that kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it, Scripture makes it very clear that, as you said, women, you know, relate differently to things and to people than, mm -hmm. than men do. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a very good thing and a good way that God created us. And then, as you mentioned, Titus 2, 3 through 5, um, the fact that God even put that in the Bible shows us that mm -hmm. there's there's a special way that that or a unique way that women learn that's different from the way men learn in, in many cases. And that's good. And that's wonderful. And that's yeah. just uniquely created in us by God. And so I think that, you know, just just those things that we see throughout Scripture indicate to us that some women's only activities and learning opportunities are good and and we should we should have those from time to time. So that's what I think about that. Yeah. I agree. Well, here's the next question that uh, the participants were asked. What value does having a women's ministry bring to your church that would not exist without it? Interesting question. The women were given a number of answers to choose from, but let's look at the top three answers that were selected. The first one was relationships among women in the church are stronger, 68%. That's a big majority. Uh, the next one is pretty close to uh, opportunities are provided for women to be refreshed and restored spiritually and emotionally, 65%. And then the third one is a place is provided for women to ask questions and openly discuss faith topics, 58%. Anything jump out at you uh, from those three answers, Michelle? Well, I think that number one answer, relationships among women in the church are stronger, is, you know, just like we, we were talking about. And, and as we mentioned last week, fellowship and relationships are extremely important in the church. I mean, we don't want to just be, yeah. we don't want our churches to just be like Six Flags Over Jesus, where we're just doing fun activities all the time, <laughs> yes. and all we're doing is fellowshipping, and we're never studying God's Word. We don't want that. But, you know, Amy, as I've mentioned on a, a previous episode, a lot of times we hear from women that are in Reformed churches and that don't have a lot of fellowship opportunities. And those women write to us and say, I feel so lonely. I feel like I don't have any friends. How yeah. do I make friends in my church? And and our, our church is just cold. It's not warm and, and friendly and fellowshipy. And so... I think that that kind of thing shows us that it is important for women to develop relationships with other women in the church. And so I think that's really that that first answer there. 
strengthening relationships among women is extremely important. I was interested in that third answer to a place is provided for women to ask questions and openly discuss faith topics. So I'm going to come at that from the other direction and say, why do you have to have a women's only uh, activity or group in order to ask questions and openly discuss faith topics? Are you not able to go ask your pastor a question? Are you, um, I'm in a co-ed Sunday school class and and we ask questions and discuss things all the time. I mean, openly. So, (laughs) I mean, I I don't understand why you have to have a women's activity in order to ask questions and openly discuss faith topics. But maybe some of those churches that answered that, maybe they don't have, you know, maybe all they have is women's Sunday, you know, women's and men's separate Sunday school classes or things like that. What did you think, Amy? Sure. Well, I I instantly thought about, um, you know, asking your husband, as the Bible says to do, you know, maybe ask your husband and feel comfortable talking about faith topics with him. Um, But then I think about the people who are not married, the the widows of our church, the young singles, and and, uh, maybe they don't have a place to ask uh, people. But again, you don't need a women's ministry to be able to uh, ask questions, obviously. But so I I agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah, I I thought about that. And and what you said about the loneliness factor, um, that second answer that they they talked about, the opportunities are provided for women to be refreshed and restored spiritually and emotionally. Um, Interestingly, uh, there's a lot of women who say, you know, I almost didn't come to Bible study tonight. Um, but I'm so glad I did. I, I feel so, I, I feel refreshed. I feel, uh, and, and again, we're talking about feelings here, but that, right. that, that needing to be refreshed, that needing to feel uh, that fellowship, the, the um, reconnection with people, and, and maybe they were feeling a little bit dry. And sometimes just women, uh, iron sharpening iron really helps with that. So yeah. um, I, that's kind of the, the impression that I took from that second answer. Yeah. And also, we, we want to be careful. I mean, Amy and I talked a lot in our previous episode about how a lot of women's ministries are all about the feels, you know, all about the emotions and everything. We don't want you to think we're saying feelings are bad or that even that women, um, you know, God designed women to be, generally speaking, more emotional than men. And if God designed us that way, that is a good quality for us to have. And that's fine. We, we bring that to the table. I mean, I've, I've, I've told people before, you know, um, mm-hmm. women keep men from killing each other. A lot of times. That, that's one of the qualities <laughs> that we bring to the table is compassion and relation and understanding and things like that. Um, so we don't want you to think we're saying that feelings are bad or that you should never express emotions or anything like that. What we're saying is, everything you do shouldn't revolve around emotions. You shouldn't be driven by your emotions. You shouldn't have your emotions be out of control. You shouldn't have, you know, feelings be the main thing that you're centered on. So that's all we're saying about that. So please understand us. Don't hear what we're not saying. (laughs) All right. Good clarification. (laughs) Yeah. So our next question is, what needs have you been hoping women's ministry activities in your church would help you grow with personally. And they were, again, given a number of, uh, the respondents were given a number of choices to select from, and they were told to select all that apply. So when the respondents answered this question, what needs have you been hoping women's ministry activities in your church would help you with personally? The number one answer, and I think this is very good, is growing closer to Jesus Christ. That 71% Mm. of people said that. 
And I think that's Good. wonderful. Yeah. I hope that is sometimes on these surveys, you know, I've taken surveys like this before too. And sometimes on, on certain questions, you pick an answer because you know, that's the answer. That's the right answer or the answer yeah. that you're supposed to pick. But I, I really want to believe that all of these ladies really do want to grow, grow closer to yeah. Christ. And so I'm glad that's the number one answer. Now, there were seven other specific answers that the ladies could choose from. Listen to these four, considering what we were just talking about a minute ago. These four answers were also choices. Help when I feel discouraged. Feeling included. Healing from hurt. Feeling needed. So what is the common theme there? Feelings. What have you been hoping women's ministry would help you with? Half of the answers are about feelings. This is what we're talking about, centering Mm. so much on feelings. Only one of the answers that they were given the choice of is specifically and positively about maturing in Christ. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that that first answer, growing closer to Jesus Christ, eclipsed the others. Um, and, and it yes. sounded like they could select, you know, it says select all that apply. So, um, you know, that could have been the number one answer. But um, I, I have a feeling that a lot of them, feeling that a lot of them um, picked <laughs> a couple of the feeling ones as well. Um, and, and, you know, again, like you yeah. just said, Michelle, feelings, feelings aren't bad. Emotions aren't bad. And we want to feel included. Loneliness is, is not how uh, the Christian church is supposed to operate. We're supposed to I- include our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, around our lives. We're supposed to do that. Um, but again, when you focus in one direction, you're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. So um, if your women's ministry is primarily there to help you heal from hurt, um, you know, perhaps uh, some Christian counseling would be helpful in that. But mm-hmm. again, if, if, you're, if, if your ministry is so focused on that, it eclipses everything else. And, and I actually, uh, years and years ago, went to a church that was all about that. It was, uh, uh, they, they really focused on, on the hurting. Uh, in fact, I think every other word in their mission statement was about the hurting. And, right. um, and, and that really, you know, well, what about the, the, the learning from at Jesus's feet? What about all of that? Uh, what about, yeah. you know, service, what that kind of thing? So, so you don't want to be so focused in one area. And it, especially for women when it comes to our emotions we tend to put that first before other things. And so just again, just a reminder, ladies, our focus needs to always be on Christ. And then the other things will fall into place. Right. And one thing that I wanted to mention is that the the onus is not on these ladies about choosing these answers with feeling this, feeling that, feeling that, feeling that. These were the the uh, choices that they were given. The onus is on right, the person right. who designed or who wrote this question and designed the survey. They're the ones who put all these this stuff about feelings in there. What if they had put options in there? Um, you know, what what do you want women's ministry act activities to help you with? What if they had put in qu- answers like, I'd like my women's ministry to help me learn how to share the gospel better. I'd like my women's ministry to train me in how to study directly from the text of scripture. I'd like my women's ministry to uh, help me learn how to submit to my husband better. Things like that. Love it. But the Lifeway people, the Lifeway research people are the ones that put these, put the answers in there for the women to select from. And they're the ones who centered everything on feelings. This is one of the reasons that we warn you away 
from teachers and Bible study authors and people like that who are platformed by Lifeway women because a lot of it is so it's the idolatry of the feels, you know, everything is focused on how you feel. It's navel gazing narcissism. I've called it before. That's what everything is focused on. So maybe some of these women who were answering the survey really would like to learn how to share the gospel better or something like that, but they weren't given the opportunity to answer that. Yeah, I really love that point, Michelle. And now I have a few questions. I'd like to survey some of these uh, surveyors now. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, here's a really good question that they asked. In addition to your church, which of the following do you turn to for spiritual development? Now, respondents were given numerous options again and instructed to select everything that applied to them. Michelle, there are a lot of these, so I'm just going to read them off. And let's just jump in and comment as we go, um, especially if if something catches your ear, Michelle. So here's the first one. Um, Again, I'll read the question. In addition to your church, which of the following do you turn to for spiritual development? Number one answer at 69%, Bible reading. Hooray! I like that one. That's a great answer. Yeah. Uh, Number two at 51% was devotionals. All right. Great. Um, 49% coming in at number three was my own study directly in the Bible. Another good one. That is a good one. Now, I have a question Uh, about that. My question would be, so the top answer is Bible reading, then they've got devotionals, then my own study directly in the Bible. I would just Mm -hmm. be curious to know what is the difference, what is is the difference these women are understanding between Bible reading and my own study directly in the Bible? I guess just reading versus like taking notes and highlighting with eight different color highlighters or, or whatever. So I I just found that statistically, you know, as far as the survey goes, interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And perhaps they interpret it as, you know, Bible reading in church versus uh, my own study, Bible reading together, Bible reading at home by myself. I'm not sure. That could be. Yeah. Um, the fourth one at 43% was watching online sermons and teachers. Um, I have a few thoughts about that and I bet you do too. <laughs> um, what are you, what are you watching? Who, whose feet are you, uh, sitting exactly. under? Who's teaching? So, yeah. And again, as you just mentioned, Lifeway has some problematic teachers, uh, red flags, especially mm-hmm. in the women's ministries that they have there. Right. Right. And I hope yeah. that, um, you know, the question says, in addition to your church, but I hope that these women are not watching these online sermons and teachers instead of uh, yes. faithful attendance at their church, because we know that yeah. that is not right. So, uh, and it's not biblical. So, but it's, you yeah. know, it's good if you're, especially if you're a new Christian who's just learned. And the next answer is listen to online sermons and teachers, and that's 41%. Yeah. So those, those two are real close. But, um, you know, it's good when you're trying to learn the Bible, especially if you get saved later in life and you're sort of trying to catch up with uh, maybe people who not with catch up with other people, but, you know, catch up on your Bible learning because you haven't had these years and years in church to learn all the things Mm -hmm. that, you know, you feel like you should know about the Bible and about God and things like that. That's a great way to catch up is to listen, you know, between Sundays, listen to good doctrinally sound pastors and teachers on podcasts and on videos and on, um, you know, sermon um, websites and things like that. So, so that's, that can be very good. It just depends on who you're listening to. 
Exactly. Uh, the next response was serving along uh, alongside other Christians. So again, the question was, in addition to your church, which of the following do you turn to for spiritual development? Um, I, I guess it would depend on what your what kind of service you're talking about with other Christians right. as far as your own spiritual development. I, I don't know if there's a lot of developing going on. There could be, depending, I suppose. Yeah, Um I don't know if they mean maybe maybe what they're thinking there is spiritual development in the form of developing your spiritual gifts because you're serving and you're exercising those spiritual gifts. Or, you know, maybe something that I've noticed is that when you have a church work day or you have a, you know, a project that you're doing at church or a ministry that you're doing at church and everybody's getting involved, you get to know other people in your church a lot better and you start developing those relationships. And, you know, you can chit chat as you're, you know, putting up the decorations for vacation Bible school or whatever and and have some really Mm -hmm. good discipleship discussions while you're doing those service projects. So hopefully that's the kind of thing that they mean. Yeah, it could be evangelism too. And and if you're serving in, right. in that kind of way, wow, you're really getting a good education, especially, you know, if you're learning yes. uh, from somebody who's very experienced in that. Uh, let's right. see. Next is listening to Christian podcasts, uh, Bible oh, study. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Well, it's only at 27%. I was just got to, I was just going to say, we got to get that number up there. You know, we got to, everybody needs to be listening to a word fitly spoken and some (laughs) other good, wonderful Christian podcasts that are doctrinally sound. We got to get that number up. (laughs) Yeah, we we could do it. (laughs) We could do it together. Uh, The next one is Bible study workbooks that I do on my own. Um, you know, and again, if they're, if they're doctrinally sound workbooks, great. We would probably tend to recommend that you study directly from the text of scripture instead. Um, even if it's a doctrinally sound workbook, you know, you really need to exercise those study muscles. You don't need other people doing all the heavy lifting for you where you just, um, fill in the blank or you answer multiple choice questions or whatever. You need to do the hard work of getting in there and digging into scripture. So we would, we would recommend that you study directly from the text of scripture instead of workbooks. Exactly. Uh, let's see. Group Bible studies I attend in my community. Uh, mm. Where are you attending? Are they ecumenical? Yeah. Are they, you know, who's teaching them? Again, you have to be very careful with that. Yeah, we talked about that in our episode on BSF. And, and we said, you know, yeah. you need to be in a Bible study. Most likely you need to be in a Bible study in your own church where your pastor and your elders can oversee it and make sure sound doctrine is being taught. Because as we saw with BSF, it's such a huge um, global ministry, I guess you could call it, that there's no pastoral yeah. oversight. There can't be pastoral oversight over an organization that big. And so that's where some of the problems right. with BSF have come from. So yeah, we would recommend not parachurch ministries or parachurch Bible studies in your community. We would recommend you do Bible study with your church family in your church yeah. and overseen by your pastor. Yes. Uh, the next one, now we're down in the, the teens here. 15% said nonfiction books by Christian teachers. Again, depending on the books, if they are Lifeway books, uh, we would say, well, beware. Um, there, there are a lot of things that Lifeway puts out there that are not doctrinally sound. 
Um, yes, but there are there are some there like are they some. sell yeah. they sell John MacArthur books and stuff like that. So if that's where you know, it's not just that you purchased it from Lifeway. Right, you just right. have to check the who the author is. But particularly, we would not recommend anything from Lifeway Women, which is the the um, women's division of Lifeway, because that's pretty well saturated with false teachers and fluff. Yeah. So. But a good theology book by a good Christian teacher or theologian, yes, go for it. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Um, the next one is only 13%. I wish wish this one was higher. A Christian mentor that I meet with. Uh, I love discipleship. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talk about, you know, the the Titus 2 women, Michelle, and and uh, I, I just really believe if you find a good Christian mentor or if you can learn to be a mentor yourself uh, and disciple people, that is huge for spiritual development. Yes, I completely agree. That's really what Titus 2, 3 through 5 is all about is discipleship. Um, You know, an older godly woman in the faith, really a spiritual mother um, really is the is the model there, not not a, a mentor, as we tend to think of it. It's it's really more involved than than just mentorship. But uh yeah, ab- absolutely. That is the heart of discipleship is is one-on-one and group discipleship. So yes, absolutely. Exactly. Uh, and then finally, the last one was fiction books by Christian authors. And that no. one is at 12%. No, no, fiction. no, 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 Oh my goodness, please do not get any sort of theology from the chosen. That's yeah. probably the most uh, popular Christian fiction right now. And if you want to know why, go back and listen to our three part series on the chosen. But don't uh, get yep, your. We'll put those in the show notes. And, and I would throw in movies as well. Do not get your theology oh, from Christian movies. Uh, at least not from, you know, the popular entertainment Christian movies. You can get theology like from the documentaries that are so good that have been put out like Cessationist and um, the Mm -hmm. Church and things like that. Those are okay. But, you know, your popular story type movies, don't get your theology from that or from Christian fiction books. No, just don't do it. And if you're looking for something good to watch, go get a subscription to AGTV, American yes. Gospel TV. Uh, highly recommend, and you won't go wrong there. And you but might just be somebody find, you know on yeah. there from a word fitly spoken. You might. <laughs> you might. <laughs> oh, so interesting, interesting question and interesting results. Yes, I think so, too. Do not get your theology from fiction, please. Okay, next question. <laughs> We've got too many people that have fictional theology because they've gotten their theology from fiction. So don't do it. All righty. Toward the end of the survey, the respondents were asked a few questions that were more doctrinal in nature. Now, keep in mind, they're being asked these questions in the context of being women who participate in women's ministry. That's the, the context we're thinking of. And then also keep in mind what these respondents said earlier, that their number one goal for participating in women's ministry is growing closer to Jesus Christ. And then you'll recall from part mm-hmm. one that that's basically what the women's ministry leaders said was their number one goal as well, to disciple women. So keep all of that stuff in mind. Respondents were asked to strongly agree, somewhat agree, somewhat disagree, or strongly disagree with these statements. So here's the first statement. The Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. All right. 
Amy, these are professing Christian women active in their evangelical churches. What percentage of them should have answered strongly agree to that statement? The Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. Yeah, 100%. Yes, that is correct. Only 84% strongly agreed. Now, and I have to wonder how many of them who strongly agreed truly believe in or even understand what the sufficiency of Scripture is, you know, Um, how, how many of them can draw a distinct line between what the Bible actually says and then extra biblical revelation and how many of them understand the difference between those things. Um, again, we talked about uh, sometimes when you take these surveys, you, you give the answer, you know, is expected or, you know, is the right answer or, you know, that you should say, but then in real life, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> maybe the Bible studies that you, they choose the teachers they follow, et cetera, are not, Uh, practicing sola scriptura and practicing the sufficiency of scripture and teaching those things as well. So what are your thoughts on that, Amy? Well, and, and that is, um, yeah, that's quite a reflection of today's modern church, uh, unfortunately, is that a lot of people have never even heard the term sola scriptura or, you know, the Bible right. is your ultimate highest authority over anything else. Uh, that is the authority, the word of God. So, um, and in fact, uh, you know, I might have been in that boat many years ago when I was not a very discerning person, brand new to the, the true Christian faith. Uh, I I had never heard of those terms either and had all sorts of crazy ideas. So again, but like you said, Michelle, these are women who are active in their evangelical churches and uh, participating in women's ministries. So they should be learning these things. And so it's, it's very disturbing that uh, a higher number would have not strongly agreed with that statement. Yes, I completely, yeah. completely agree with that. All right. So the next statement that they were asked to agree or disagree with says, it is very important for me personally to encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Again, Amy, how many of these professing Christian respondents should have answered strongly agree to that statement? Yeah, again, 100% should have. Yeah, see, you know the right answer. I know the right answer. Unfortunately, only 65% of the respondents <gasps> consider evangelism, proclaiming wow. the gospel to people who are dying and going to hell for eternity to be very important. And there were several questions on mm. both of these surveys where evangelism was ranked very low. We we really need to do better about that women's ministry leaders let's i mean come on let's raise up a pink army of lean mean gospel proclaiming (laughs) machines you know um and this you know i I would like to point out that this question doesn't even say how often are you sharing the gospel or have you shared the gospel with anybody in the past month or anything like this it's just asking you whether you consider it to be very important or not you know oh boy what do you think amy you know and and it, it 
it tells me that that uh, people who would answer in that 65% range, um, wow, the other 35% surely must not even be aware of how important it is and what's going to happen after after death, after that final breath, what the lost are facing. And it's horrible. It's there, People are perishing all around us. And so we, yeah, we absolutely need to be about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. And, you know, it's telling also that only 65% of the respondents consider it to be important when you compare it to the first, the answer to the first question, that the Bible is yeah. our authority in life. Um, the Bible tells us how important evangelism is, that we are to be out there proclaiming the gospel so that people can come into the kingdom and be saved. But only 84% yeah. of people agreed that, you know, the Bible was their ultimate authority. And now here, some of those people are saying that, um, that they don't agree that evangelism is all mm. that important. So I think a lot yeah. of these answers are interconnected. So... Yeah, yeah, it's I agree. unfortunate. All right, here's the next statement. You, <sighs> you're going to love this one, Amy. My husband just about hit the okay. floor when, when I t- told him about this one. <laughs> uh, I read all these answers to him, and he just about had a fit. Um, but here, here's the next one. It says, Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin. All right, this Amen. Yes, strongly okay. agree. Oh, right? I wasn't supposed to answer no, yeah. there. <laughs> you, you and I would both strongly agree with that, right? This is right. Yeah, this is Christianity 101, people. I mean, never mind strongly agree. If you don't stake your life and your eternity on this statement, you are not a Christian and you are destined for an eternity in hell. And I hope those 65% mm, of people yeah. who consider evangelism very important will find you and share the gospel with you. Um. Yes. So this, again, this should be a hundred percent of these people saying they strongly agree, but that's not what it was. It was 86%. Only 86% believe strongly that Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of their sin. That means Mm. at least 14% of the women who took this survey about participating in women's ministry what they want to get out of women's ministry, all that stuff, and so on. They are not saved. Okay? Correct. and this you know, Oh, man, that's so yeah. sad. Yeah. And this last statement is very closely connected to the previous one, so we'll just talk about them together. The previous statement was, Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin. This next statement is more about others, and here it is. Only those who trust in Christ alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. How many strongly agree with that? You are not going to believe this. Only 79%. Only 79% of these evangelical engaged in church women believe that it is only those who trust in Christ as their Savior who are saved. This is, again, this is a basic core tenet of Christianity. It doesn't get more foundational than this. This means that over 20% of these respondents are either not saved or they believe the, you know, that cockamamie Oprahism that Christianity was their way to God, but there are many other ways to God for other people. Amy, this... (sighs) 
this podcast yeah. is a ministry. To, I'm, this is hard. Yes, it is. So, you know, our podcast is a ministry to women. Let's make sure that none of our listeners are in that 14% or that 21%. Would you please take a moment and explain the true biblical gospel to our listeners right now so that if any of them uh, who aren't saved that are listening, uh, that they might surrender their lives to Christ right now, would you share the gospel with them? Absolutely. It would it would be my great pleasure, Michelle. Uh, ladies, I, first I have to share the bad news. And the bad news is that you and I are, are sinners. We have broken God's law. Uh, you know, sin came into the world through one man, and that was Adam. Um, but if you flip over to the book of Romans, uh, just uh, read chapter 3, for example, and, and you'll find in there verses like 310, none of us is righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and and fall short of the glory of God. That one is in Romans 3.23. And we deserve death. The first time I heard that, I thought that was quite shocking. The penalty for our sin is an eternity in hell. And we can't escape hell by being a good person. You know, maybe some of you have uh, been in religions that said, you know, all you have to do is say a few prayers, you know, do the rosary, whatever it is, uh, do some good deeds, and you, uh, because you're a good person, can get into heaven. Not true. That is the biggest lie. We cannot escape hell from from anything other than uh, Jesus Christ. It can't be because we have a good heart or because we think we're, we're good people. You know, it's written, none is righteous, no, not one. I read that just a second ago. But it also says in Titus 3, 5, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And salvation is actually the result of God's mercy and grace, not something that we can possibly come by ourselves. This is a free gift, and it's given by God's mercy and grace alone. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, By grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works. There's so many verses about that. So it depends not on human will or exertion, the Bible says, but on God who has mercy. That's Romans 9, 16. The gift that God offers us, you and I, ladies, on the cross, Christ Jesus took the punishment that we deserve for our sin. He will take away your sin and give you his perfect standing before God in exchange. That's what Jesus did. Not that what we can do, but what he does. And the way that we receive this gift and have Christ's righteousness credited to our account is to turn and repent from our sin. And that just simply means that we, our heart's desire is just to turn turn away from our sin and ask God to forgive us and trust that Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is all we need. It paid the full penalty for our sin. And that's what salvation, becoming a Christian, is. If we add to that, if we take away from that, it's not the good news at all. 
the good news is the good news, and it's nothing that we can do. There, there can't be good news without the bad news, but the good news overcomes the bad, and Jesus Christ is he becomes our love. He becomes our focus, our all in all. And and we can't breathe or move or do anything without without him. So ladies, that's the good news. And we have more on our website. If, if you would like to share that message or learn how to speak that, that truth into other people's lives, on our website, we have a tab at a wordsfitlyspoken.life, and it's called Just the Good News. And I want you to go there and check it out. There's a little video on there. Um, that explains it even more. If if you know people in your life who uh, will learn better that way, it's really excellent. So go ahead, check that out. And we hope you do think that it's important to share with a world uh, of lovely people who are perishing and uh, they need the good news just as you've been given the good news. And that is the good news. Yes, ladies, that what Amy just explained to you, that is what your women's ministry should be centering around, the gospel and and yeah. proclaiming the gospel correctly and biblically, not just to people outside the church, but to people inside the church, because you've got 20% of these people in your church, 21% yeah. in your women's ministry who don't know the gospel and and they think they're Christians, but they're not. And so we can never take the gospel for granted. We can never just assume that people know the gospel and they're actually saved. We need to be in our women's ministry. We need to be training women what the gospel is. And then we need to be training them how to share the gospel like Amy just did. I mean, it's not it's not difficult. You just have to understand the gospel and then be able to explain it to people. There's not a formula. There's not anything that you have to memorize or anything like that. You just need to know how to share the gospel with people. And so I was very disappointed overall that uh, evangelism, the gospel, sound doctrine, discernment, things like this were not included in either the survey to the women's ministry leaders or to the church members. There was so much that was left out, but this is what we need to center our women's ministries and activities on, the gospel and the truth of scripture. Yeah, and I really hope this was an eye opener to our listeners, Michelle. And and what can we take away from this? Uh, I see opportunity. It is discouraging, yes, to see how these uh, respondents took the survey and and what they thought, or uh, you know, and and the misunderstandings out there. But I will say Mm -hmm. that every church has people who are either visiting or maybe haven't been discipled. Every church has that opportunity where you can gather them in um, and ask them to join the women's ministry, if they're women, of course, uh, but bring them along and make sure that your women's ministries are solid and that their focus is in the right place, not on the feelings, of course, minister to the hurting, of course, help people feel refreshed, but, but the main focus has to be on Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the yes. cross and the good news that he is coming again. And there's so much to be hopeful for. 
for women's ministry, uh, in which the gospel and sound doctrine are right at the center, uh, that needs to be there so that women can be properly and biblically discipled. That's a, a great note to end on, Michelle. Does your church have a women's ministry? Do you participate in it or help lead it? What have you learned from these two episodes that could improve your women's ministry? We would love to have you let us know on our Facebook or on X, formerly known as Twitter, or Instagram, wherever you can find us. Do share a comment on our website at awordfitlyspoken.life, or you could do what others have done and just leave us one of those five-star ratings and an encouraging comment on your favorite podcast platform. And that's not for us, ladies. That's to encourage other people uh, to be able to listen and uh, uh, boost it up so that other people can get uh, some good words into their earphones rather than, uh, you know, some of the fluff that's out there in the world. We want to make sure that people are hearing the truth about God and his word. That's absolutely right. And until next time, make sure your women's ministry is focused on the gospel and discipleship and walk worthy. 